Hello and welcome to the Magnolia Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Augustin Paston, and today I'm joined by Qi Zhang. And we are going to be talking about uh, Eastern philosophy and how it relates to leadership and, and her experiences as a coach. And so without further ado, why don't you say hello, Qi, and then we'll get right into it. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm very glad to have this opportunity to explore together with Augustin. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be fun. I think we'll get to learn a little bit and I get to flex my, uh, <laughs> that I was a Chinese, that I was in fact a Chinese major and I have read some of these books that we're probably going to talk about today, though I'm no expert at, like you are. Um, so without further ado, why don't you, why don't you pick a question uh, between one to 26 for, if you're a new listener, this is normally how we segue into our conversations. It, the first question we have is just kind of like a, a personal question for fun. And then our second question will be a more of a leadership oriented question um, to kind of just spark conversation. And then after that, it'll be free flowing. So okay. uh, go ahead and pick a number one to 26. <laughs> Ooh, my, my, my lucky number is three. So I picked three. Your, number, your lucky number is three. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, this is a difficult one. Are you where you wanted to be at this stage of your life? Where I am yeah, versus where I want to be yeah, at and this stage of life. Also, oh as like a bonus part to it is how is your life path or, or where you expected to be varied from five years ago, from 10 years ago, from 15 years ago, like different stages of your life? Is this what you expected to be doing maybe 15 years ago or... Has Boy, your life a, taken you in your path? What a deep start. <laughs> yeah, no, that intense. <laughs> oh, yeah. How long do we have? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Let's, let's sit down for a couple hours. <laughs> right. Uh, let me give a try, though. Um, it's really a difficult question because that's, you know, like uh, it's all depending on where you want to be. Then you can measure where you, you are. I see my life as a stages, you know, right. that every stage I couldn't see at the end where I want to be. So you can say there is part of me very much go with the flow, like water, river flow. And there is a part of me also um, kind of like a follow my own intuitive creativity or ideas in certain stage of life. Then, then it becomes clear. I only know what's my next best step. And that right. took me there. And then I figure out what's the best next step. So uh, for the time being in my life, uh, you know, I have been in corporate in, in had a, had a career in the corporate before then I took, uh, you can say my midlife turn point to switch <laughs> to the coaching industry and, uh, also become a leadership coach. And that's pretty much switched the whole flow. Right. And, uh, uh, I feel sometimes like Alice in the Wonderland, you know, then each step you discover new things, but also especially parts of yourself that you never have been able to express before. So in that note, and I'm still on the journey and there is still so much that I can explore myself. For instance, uh, right now, I'm very happy with where I am. For me, maybe I can quote uh, one of the musician, Yo-Yo Ma, you know, cellist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I happened to to hear one of the documentary he was on and he said one word that really touched me. He said, don't play for perfection, play for present. And that touched me because I was like, yeah, how much, you know, everyday life is itself a little journey. Can I really connect to the energy now? 
and play just for being present, being fun, being true to myself, and uh, not for being perfect. Uh, yeah. And then he says something else is that you do little creation every day, and then great things will happen when those small creation accumulates. So I guess that that's the best maybe to use that quote to explain my status right now is that I, I have a lot of dreams and ideas to realize. Eh? For instance, my aging, uh, how to translate that into leadership, all those things toward the future. And I see that there is a lot to explore in the leadership territory to build more bridges between East and West. But boil down to what grounds me is my present moment ability, possibility to express the small creativity every day. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with you. I think it's a lot of the time when you're living your life and, and though I'm pretty young, so it's not too hot with this, uh, (laughs) but I feel like there's a lot of the time you're just making the best decision that you can in a given moment. And a lot of the time, the path that you're going down feels very ambiguous and kind of Mm. vague. And it's only when you're reflecting and looking back on kind of where you came, where there seems to be like a clear kind of trend or path to what is happening. Um, But when you're in that moment, like you said, it's kind of just, you're doing your best to try and figure out what's best for you. And maybe you're wrong, maybe you're right, but you got to hope that it'll work out in the end. Um, Right, right. One thing before we, because I know we're going to launch into it later. Why don't you really quickly, because you mentioned Yijing, um, why don't you take a moment to kind of explain to the audience um, what Yijing is, because uh, we're going to be talking about it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially in the Western context, might not be familiar with it. There is a lot to talk about. I hope I can give a small nutshell. Yijing <laughs> um, is also called Book of Change. So apparently it's talking about the philosophy, how to deal with the change. Um, you can say uh, Yijing is also like a Bible book huh, that uh, has very much significant influence in Chinese culture because all the Confucianism, Taoism later on all built upon that philosophy, even the Chinese medicine. So basically... How it was started was a bit of a legendary story because there is no historical record to prove that. But we believe that it was Fuxi, a legendary figure, Fuxi, who basically contemplated between heaven and earth. I think at that time it was a monkey time, right? So yeah. he was <laughs> looking like an ancient <laughs> sort of a, a origin of the human species. And he contemplated between heaven and earth, say, hey, what is the rules? principles, why the seasons alternates. At, at that time, by the way, you, you can imagine the net, natural forces has much more significant influence in people's life. Uh, so agriculture is much more at the center of people's doing, right? So uh, understanding nature becomes a fundamental for orienting, giving us a stability. How do we orient through those forces we can't control? Hence comes the Yijing. And the very beginning, it was like, a, I think, always like a Big Bang theory, you know, like from nothing. Then, you know, you derived, I call it the most original archetype of Chinese culture is the yin and yang. Maybe you all have heard about it, right? But then from this yin and yang, feminine and masculine energy, it evolves into eight 
basic elemental forces in the universe, which are, you know, the heaven, the earth, the fire, the water, the lake, we call it the, the, the wind, mm, uh, what do I miss, and the thunder, and the mountain. So those are the things, uh, the energies are embodied by a certain force in the nature that we can learn from. And so he, he stopped pretty much there. So say, okay, I understand that all those eight forces contain some sort of degree of yin, some sort of de degree of yang energy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and those exchange of these two energy makes how we experience the changes. Now, later on, the emperor, Zhou, Zhou Wenwang, so the, the king of Zhou dynasty, and he took this eight trigrams. It was also a legendary story say that the, you know, these trigrams are all appeared on the back of a turtle who climbed up on the river. <laughs> then, you know, just to make it more juicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the thing is that he discovered these eight trigrams and he said, wow, this is really great, powerful, but it's not enough to explain the life I'm encountering. So, right. Remember, the time has evolved. There is much more than agriculture going on. So he said, I need more to understand. Well, how about using these trigrams, putting them together? And then, of mm -hmm. course, eight by eight is 64. So right. he said, well, this 64 hexagrams can explain the 64 different situations mm -hmm. in the universe and in the human society. And so he made that. And I think there is, um, uh, in the long, long, long history of China, we have been experiencing a lot of, uh, you can say, disasters, uh, like Cultural Revolution. Actually, Cultural Revolution was not unique. In the Qing Dynasty, we, we, we also had Fen Shu Kang Ru. So mm. uh, those, you know, every dynasty change come along with a cultural destruction yeah. before the construction start. But this book miraculously has been heritaged on and on until today, still not lost. Of course, there is a lot of different versions of interpretation. All the later on generation tried their best to make all kinds of books in, interpret what, what this 64 hexagram actually want to tell. Mm -hmm. um, it's all the interpretation, but the, the real power contains in the image. So I say, I think the, the power of the Eastern philosophy, you can argue, is it last time we talked a bit about the religion and the culture and, and yeah. the philosophy. And I think the, the book of change contains the number, the logic, the image. Uh, that's why the three thing comes together. It's almost like a science, you know, yeah. and make it very powerful uh, to contemplate. What is the philosophy of change, especially in change leadership? Yeah. Right. And I think that was something really fascinating that that we had talked about before. Um, and I would like to talk about again now is kind of this idea where, you know, religions in a lot of cases originated from this desire to explain phenomenon in nature and in the universe and trying to find these solutions to questions that were um, at the time unanswerable. And now in, in our modern society, a lot of that has been that purpose, the original purpose of religion has been replaced by science, where a lot of these phenomena mm -hmm. can now be yep. explained with scientific principles. And so we move into this new state where, you know, religion is taking on more of a social, a moral value. And so do you feel like it seems like your interpretation of Yijing is kind of like that natural progression in a lot of ways of, of religion, where it's like taking this um, 
fundamentally what used to be considered a science and repurposing it and rethinking about it within the context of like a social reinterpretation and, and kind of a leadership model almost. How do you find that that influences or kind of like that, that religious like aspect influences you when you are um, approaching it from like a leadership perspective, I guess? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. I, I mean, I, I first only speak about my journey with I Ching, but maybe has a bigger implication because uh, still it's a big concept. Uh, sometimes uh, I was pondering what is religion, what's philosophy, you know, yeah. especially in Western, it's clear what is religion, right? But right. in China, okay, yeah. the, the other day I was arguing with my, my husband, he's a Danish, um, uh, and he was saying, is communism also religion that, you know, how, how you, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, we can argue about that. What, what, to which extent you call it, you know, a belief or value, right. or, or to which extent it becomes a religion. And and so, but anyway, the, uh, as you know, uh, in China, even nowadays, I think a lot of people, when they heard about eating, when they don't understand what it is, but for sure, a lot of people heard about it, and they will always associate eating with feng shui with something like a divination tool like right. you know is that there is a certain superstition sort of like a, a color or shades combined with it and i don't know whether it's a misunderstanding but it is true in all the historical dynasties um, people are very good at eating were often uh, you can you can say that even the emperors are consulting eating for predicting power it has certain predicting power right but Confucius also famously said one sentence, which I think is really a, a dot on the eye. You know, like uh, he said, the person who is really good at eating, they will not predict or they will, you know, eat. Means that if you're really good at it, you will not want to predict anymore. Right. So that's something very interesting, you know, like almost like the real truth cannot be told. Or uh, if you really believe in something, then you, there is a line there that 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 how to to live it. You start to live right. it instead of trying to um, propaganda it or right, you know, yeah. impose mm -hmm. it and things like that. And it, the, the desire to predict the future is also something take you away from the present and take you away from this uh, um, ability to, to basically embrace whatever life is going to present you. Right. I guess, well, one thing that I'm kind of interested to, uh, from your perspective, because I, I learned about eating in, um, you know, an American university setting. And, and in that setting, they were very focused on like what you were talking about, that kind of mysticism aspect of mm. it, the, the idea mm. that it's like this predictive thing. And, and they like we even went through the whole process of, you know, throwing out the sticks and then, you know, <laughs> making the predictions and whatnot. And that was more of the fun and, and the predictive. But yeah. we didn't really talk about like what you're, you're going into, which is more the deeper philosophical implications of this and, and, and what value there still is. Do you think that that is um, maybe a misinterpretation on, on the Western or I don't know if it's Western or American understanding of eating or is that still an issue in china as well do you think that i think i think it's universal first of all what is universal is that people want to know what is going to happen in the future 
Right. You know, that for the unknown, that's also what we talk about. The religion comes in very good role as well to give up psychological stability. Oh, I, you know, that I have faith in this. This Otherwise, you know, the entropy will take over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, so it's universal. But uh, what I deeply believe is there is an invisible constant connection between the nature, the outer world with our inner world, right. you know, because I also work in a, a leadership territory. I work with groups and often I see the energy in the group is mirrored by how I feel together with my co-coach as well. Right. So there is a lot of unexplainable uh, stuff between heaven and earth, which is true. Uh, but if we can use Yijing as instrument to understand our own energy flow and to be able to especially bridge the polarity, you know, then all the outer conflicts eventually are our inner conflicts. So if we are able to digest, deeply understand and not reject one side, embrace the other, but embrace both to be able to develop this third view, so to call. And then I think that will provide... um, people with more and more ability to navigate through changes, which the change inevitably comes from the, the pol- pol- polarizing forces, the dynamic dance between them, you know? So right. that will produce, I don't know. I, I just think that there will be less conflicts <laughs> or we can learn better from the conflicts, you know, like uh, to serve because, the com- from the conflicts, maybe that will pushes you to uh, to advance and to understand better the connection between uh, you know the, the opposing ideology and how to how do we as a, the the collective human species going forward in a harmonious way with the environment with other species with our Earth for instance to 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 at the macro scale yeah right. Maybe that's a good part to transition, like talking about those polarities is um, yeah. yin and yang and, and yes. kind of, I would love to hear more about the way you take those and how you apply that to leadership theory, like taking these two polarities and and, and what do they mean for you in a leadership context? Because uh, I, I know yin, like we talked about, is traditionally that, that feminine energy and, and yang is the more masculine, but what does that mean in, in a leadership context? Because yin and yang, of course, is the best way to describe without any provocative connotation. When I was presenting this yin and yang ideology to to some of the people who are very interested in learning the Chinese philosophy, they always say, oh, is in the female, yang is male, you know, like that, then there is suddenly a gender connotation in it. But the point is that yin is just energy, the feminine energy and the masculine energy. And we, we have both. Like I have a lot of masculine energy in me. You have, you're a man, but you have a lot of feminine energy as right. well. So how to understand that is that the understand the functionality of those energy. The young energy is responsible for creating, you know, advancing. You can say from here, there is a goal. I want to go there, create. That's the primary function of the young energy. So it's represented by heaven. The heaven is limitless, it advancing, keep on going, no limit. And the yin energy representing the energy like the earth, the mother earth, uh, that mm-hmm. uh, uh, very supportive, yielding, 
and uh, being open. Yeah. So that's the key functionality of yin. And you need both um, energy dance together. So then, then we can say whether the leadership is effective or ineffective, right? So if the same amount of the energy within you, I have masculine and, and feminine part of me, but sometimes I can feel so stuck. Why? Yeah. It's because th these two energy are not dancing together well. So the, the hexagram, there is a hexagram in Yi Jing called the stagnation. So half is yang, yeah. And half is yin. The, the thing is that yang above, yin below. So that means that if masculine energy goes above, in feminine energy goes below. So if these two energy doesn't exchange, doesn't talk, doesn't dialogue, yeah, then you got stuck. Then the heaven draws away, the earth sink down. So in human term, in leadership term, I would say when someone feels innerly very insecure. Outerly want to advance, you know, I want to go for my goal and uh, very aggressively pursuing while your innerly has some sort of insecurity. Yeah. That's a typical moment you can say you can result in stuckness, stagnation. Mm. On the opposite, though, then you can same amount of energy, you can turn it around like outerly. It's, if, if the earth is above and heaven is below, then the earth's energy go down, heaven energy go up. There is a dialogue. There is an exchange. There is exchange between the yin and yang. So then, then what happens? The hexagram is called peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And in human term, you could say, uh, how, how do we embody that between heaven and earth? Huh? Then it could be um, outwardly, it's an attitude of being open. Remain being open-minded. Right. Innerly, there is a yang. You know, below hex, uh, trigram means the inner attitude. The inner attitude is creative. You know, I want to contribute. I have confidence. These are the, right. all the young energy. But outwardly toward the world, I remain open, open-minded. Yeah, tap into, is the time right, etc. And that will produce peace in relationship, right. etc. Yeah. So are, is that kind of your current project then? Are you working on taking each of these different trigrams and trying to come up with models on how you can apply it to, to leadership or, or, or what is your current approach? Because that's a great example, but I imagine, yeah. you know, there's a lot of other ones that are more <laughs> esoteric or more obscure, which are harder to apply. Um, and how do you, how do you approach those in the leadership context? Yeah. You see, this is also interesting uh, aspect that comes in between East and West. What I, I've spent my half life in China, you know, like that's my roots, a half life in, in Europe. And uh, what I find fascinating is that Western people are very good at coming up with models, you know, yeah. <laughs> practical models. <laughs> and while uh, Eastern people, you know, like this book has been lying there for 5,000 years, you know, yeah. nobody come up with any models. You know, everybody think about eating so, so abstract. So, you know, only the people retreating maybe will do it or people who reads the feng shui will, will read it. Right. So there is certainly something to bridge there. And I like the, the bite-sized simplicity that a Western model can produce that make it accessible to everyone. Right. But also leadership is a flowing thing. It's very fluid. It's not that black and white or can fit into any boxes. It especially requires true. a situational awareness. So one truth here, this moment might not be the truth anymore. Next moment. 
Um, so it's very difficult to modeling it. Yeah. You know, however, I truly believe it's possible though to play with it. That's yeah. my mm-hmm. mission. Yeah. To make it playful, exploratory. That's what I think is totally possible. Yeah. No, I think that's really smart because, <laughs> you know, that's one <laughs> of the things I just wrapped up a leadership development class on my own. And a big part of that was kind of talking about, you know, we have at this point so many leadership theories. <laughs> There's a mm. lot of them. It feels like every ex CEO is writing some book on leadership and what it means to be a leader. But you know, there's no universal, there's no like total system of leadership that that perfectly defines how you should be a leader or what you should do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's smart in a way that you're not approaching it from like, oh, we need some model because a lot of the time those models don't apply to a given situation. And, and by leaving it open and interpreting it flexibly, I think you're you're being really smart about that and, and approaching it from a much more open-minded and flexible at the end of the day approach. Um, I guess what would be helpful for me to kind of better understand it is when you have a coaching session, when you, when you come to a coaching session with a client or with an organization and you're trying to apply the eating, how do you go about that? Like, what's the first things that you start to look for? And then how do you use the eating to influence kind of your decision-making or, or your approach, mm. like what's your thought process as you go through kind of identifying that? Ah, that's a very interesting question. I never consciously thought about it because, you know, you see, I am a mixture of both East and Western. So right. I couldn't discern when I'm functioning with a group of executives or a group of, uh, you know, students at the business school, am I using my Eastern part or am I using my Western right. part? <laughs> and, uh, and I never you know, announce beforehand, hey, I'm going to use some aging trick on you. Or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like a sword, invisible sword, you know, that it, for me, it's really about it's a perspective. While I'm talking, I'm also reflecting. Huh? And what I do, I do also individual coaching, aging coaching session with client. That was very consciously contracting beforehand. This is going yeah. to use an aging instrument. And there we have sets of different perspectives to look at your situation. And they came in with very clear problem statement. It could be at work, private, doesn't matter in life. Right. And then we use aging hexagrams almost as a prism, hmm. you know, with different uh, different uh, angles to look at right. the situation. So it could be that the, the person experience some situation, has a lot of emotions entangled in it, but right. it's his or her subjective experience. If you put the same situation, ask neighbor of him, then they might say completely different <laughs> stories or having completely different experience looking at it. So I Ching is able to using the hexagram because I told you the hexagram has a very strong logic connection between each other. So that's the beauty of it. You can yeah. always, from any situation, you can trace to what's the opposite of you about this. And what then you can also peel down to what is the core matter. If you want to solve this situation on the surface, what's underneath the iceberg? First, you need to touch upon, right? And for instance, if you want to say, I want to increase, that the hexagram say, I want increase, increase something. Okay, so maybe the, the hidden hexagram from it, telling you its perspective in order to increase, 
the first thing what you need to do is to return, for instance. Something right. need to return first inside of you. So something like that. It, it's beautifully to shift the attitude to look at then where you peel down deeper, deeper, then suddenly all the, uh, you know, like paradigm shift that all click together. Then right. you say, aha, I understand this situation much better than before with much broader perspective. I was so narrow-minded before that I couldn't see the way out. Now I'm right. able to develop second, the third different view. Then I have my own answer about it. Yeah. Oh, that's really fascinating. You know, because I wasn't thinking about it from that perspective necessarily, but it, it makes a lot of sense to approach it from less of, you know, I guess I was still stuck in the kind of almost predictive, you know, mystical side of it where it's like, oh, like, what should you do based right, on on right, whatever you right, come across? But it's right. more like, no, you know, here's something that kind of is, is similar to your situation and using it, you can approach the situation and kind of think about it from different perspectives and even go on like you kind of were talking about with, with it's, it very fits in with the yin and yang, <laughs> like look at the mm -hmm. exact opposite situation where, where it's flipped and, and what can we yeah. interpret from that and, and what can we take away? Have you found it's, it's difficult for, you know, Western leaders, especially uh, maybe European leaders to kind of first uh, interact with that because it, you know, for me, maybe, maybe this is because I, I've studied a it a little bit. There's, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, I have knowledge of it and I kind of have this preconceived perception of it as like mysticism and, you know, mm -hmm. feng shui and, and, and whatever. Is there a struggle with that, with leaders kind of bring them on board with the concept of applying ETM? Definitely not. No difficulty oh, at all because the ETM, this is the mystical part. I think people mystified it. And right. made it almost like something belonged to a cave, <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, the divination tool, something like that. But just to demystical it, it is really the, the original intention of aging is to help us understand the nature. Right. How, how close is nature to us? You know, it's just going out of the door into the forest. You can see the nature. And the aging is just to bring us to, to arouse our nature-based leadership, so to speak. And so I think it's a, as long as some some pers some people are open minded, have a certain desire to introspectively looking into themselves, yeah, and that that's only two condition. And then then it doesn't matter. I've done many sessions with all kinds of different people. You know, wonderful. No, no, no. Um, I don't find any difficulty to present the language what Yijing speaks to them. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that, you know, this is kind of going back and maybe we're getting, a, maybe I'm getting a little too <laughs> philosophical with it, but I think part of maybe the, my own personal difficulty wrapping my head around it stems from the fact that, like we were talking about earlier, there's this big divide between the Chinese, I don't know if you want to call it religious slash philosophical tradition and, and the Western philosophical slash religious tradition where there isn't this clear separation in China of what is a religion, what is a philosophy, because there's not as clear of a, a religious structure to, I would say, Chinese philosophies. Whereas in the U.S., there's this really, or not the U.S., but the kind of Western, there's this really clear divide, like we said, between, okay, this is religion and this is a philosophy. And I feel like that kind of happened maybe more recently, like mm. 500 years ago or something like that. But I wonder if that is what makes it difficult for me personally to wrap my head around the concept of, of eating 
and, and applying it more as a science and more of a a philosophical approach to a reasoned, a logical approach to leadership, as opposed to a more mystified religious approach. Um, do you find that with Yitzhak, you ever come across issues where you feel like you're getting too much into the mysticism or have you always felt like very rooted in the natural kind of science side of it? At least I think it's, it's my take on it. Huh? There is many other people take on different routes, but it depends on how you see. I think maybe I sense uh, the difference between religion and philosophy is that everybody can be a philosopher. Religion is something different. It's almost like uh, the power is outside. Yeah. You know, you, you have something to worship. Then you and, and the philosophy is something like discover yourself. <laughs> the power is yeah. inside, isn't it? I mean, I might be black or white, but this is at least how I currently feel. For me, it's my take. Again, it just, you know, there are so many different ways of using it. Teaching is just an instrument helping us, right? And I find a very humbling experience to use it, not to treat it as, oh, this is some sort of sacred. Yeah, it is sacred because it passed on. It's a human creation, you know, right. like passed on for 5,000 years. How, how can't it be sacred? Of course it's yeah. sacred. But it, it was meant to be created to work on our daily routine life, to help us solving yeah. our daily issues, not belong to only, uh, you know, being worshipped uh, house. Right. So it has to, for me, my take is that to bring it close to life as close as possible. And, uh, and that's where the power, power lies. And the, the power of I Ching is not to accumulate power on itself, but to enable or empower whoever works with it to yeah. find their own inner truth or leadership within, yeah, to operate between heaven and earth. Right. Well, I guess another thing I'm kind of interested in is when you have these sessions with people about eating, do you find that there's kind of a, a, a regularity or, or there's certain of the bagua that kind of, or I guess, it's, I don't know, what's the 64 <laughs> trigrams? How do you say that? Do you find that certain ones seem to come up very often? No, they were come up with their own hexagrams huh? that I, I can't say. That of course, there are more coming often, but it's really random. I have to yeah. have completely face in whatever randoms comes up. I work with it. You know, right. it's almost like your dream. And yeah. actually, I, I myself was also, you know, very much connected to the union psychology. And they're doing the, the analytical psychology use dreams. Yeah. And the difference between Yijing is that it uses hexagrams. You know, those are the very, I, I believe for, for us the, in the human psyche, the, a lot of conflicts or struggles you experience, the rational mind, the more you, you use the rational mind, the more it gets entangled into this right or wrong and good or bad thing. But the image, metaphor that dreams provide you or the hexagrams provide you is having a binding power right. to bind the polarities. And then help you to really understand in a deeper connected way uh, how to embrace both, you know, your, your strengths, but the thing you try to push away from you, maybe those are the ones that you can learn the most. Yeah. One other thing, you've mentioned it a couple of times, like the image characteristic of, of mm. the Yijing, but I, I wasn't familiar with that. What is, what is the, that image as you interpret it with the, the Ba Gua? At the beginning, I mentioned the 
yin and yang probably is too abstract, it's invisible, the energy yeah. flow, right? Then, but the, everything is built upon this yin and yang, no? And you can, the most tangible form you can see is that the heaven is yang, the, the earth is pure yin, and the mountain, what, what does the mountain contain? In the trigram is one yang line and the two yin lines. So the mountain is uh, the yang outside, but the inside is the earth, the yin. So right. you need to stay connected with that energy and understand, oh, the mountain uh, is pretty close to the earth, but it has mm. a yang energy in there. What does that yang energy serve? So the mountain sign, for instance, the trigram, just use that as an example, uh, the functionality of it is to keep still. So if you see that sign come up in the hexagram, yeah. Yeah, that means you need to keep still. Don't move or don't try to advance or do something because the time is not right. Right. Hmm. Right. So that gives you a, a quite good indication. If you learn from the mountain, if you meditate, for instance, yeah. say you can go to the nature. That's why people also love to go to the nature feeling connected. If you meditate on the mountain, what kind of energy you, you gain from it? If you meditate in front of a sea, ocean, the water, changing forms, what, what do you feel? You know, yeah. And that contains great lesson. Eating just make it more visible or, or expressible. Right. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. And so when you kind of approach the eating or this image interpretation, do you find yourself applying that kind of analytical psychology, that, that Jungian kind of style? Because I'm not super familiar with Jung. I don't know. Maybe you want to go into Jungian philosophy. Um, yeah. but maybe, maybe just briefly, you can kind of talk about that, that process of, of the image identification. I come in and I pull a specific a trigram or a hexagram, sorry. And it represents like a specific image, like you had mentioned the mountain. How do you use then that imagery to inform kind of like a, an interpretation of the situation? Okay. Just to make it more, more right. tangible. Huh? For instance, one of the clients I'm working with right now, they are a beautiful company with a lot of uh, creativity. They deliver services to their client. So there is a huge amount of creativity going on in the company. And also the employee there are very creative spirit. But you can say their shadow side is uh, not very structured. You know, so yeah. sometimes could be like lack of control kind of thing going on. Right. And then the CEO wants to make a change because the company is growing, you know, and before as a small, you can just go with the flow with your creativity. Okay. You probably shoot 10 projects, eight dice, but two are the treasure. Then you go further with that. Right. right. So you go with flow. But when you grow a business like that to a certain scale, you do have to rely a little bit more on the structure. Otherwise it yeah. will be too chaotic, <laughs> isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So you can see that the, the first thing I interviewed the team uh, that com comes to what do they sit on the problem. And one of the things they, they, they struggle a lot is that the, the, the chaos, that, that they have a lot of innovation idea, but you know, in the end, nothing comes out of it because people right. are you know, working on so many stuff. And so the company introduced more control element, the hire the right people to, to represent the opposite, which is a great thing happened, right? Yeah. However, for people working together as a team, you can put the best ingredients together. Yeah. It doesn't work as a team automatically, 
you know, mm-hmm. then that, that will be a struggle there. The, the, so currently what they are, uh, they have been gone through, especially also with outside of the COVID, you can also sense the energy. Everything is uh, keeping still. <laughs> we just talk about keeping still, right? Yeah. <laughs> the outside is keeping still. Then a lot of the inner create, creativity cannot be expressed. So you, you kind of like go implosion almost. Uh, then, then this two energy, funny enough to start to get into the fight mode. Yeah. Uh, and so the, what the representing is that one side of the energy, or you can say the using the hexagram to express it, is the creative. The creative yeah. energy is a trigram one. Trigram two is limitation. You can say that trigram, uh, you know, the setting bounds control the energy. And these two are not, if they are caught in knots, that there is stagnation. Right, right yeah. And how to make them dance, there comes in. So you have to discern the situation and you have to make them appreciating each other. Because yeah. if the creative people, they do not recognize the advantage of the structure side, or they even deny in themselves, there is a structured side of them can be expressed more. What they will do is, is completely rejecting the other side. Yeah. What, what the, the structured people will do exactly the same, opposite. Say, yeah. hey, come on, I was hired or I'm coming in with a great function to s- structure the company, but I'm totally cannot be functioning. And then, then people are stuck in their own role. Mm-hmm. Then there is no flow. So I don't know whether that uh, example illustrate a bit but i i when i work with group i i watch a lot about the, the energy so what yeah. does that represent then you can you can express it in 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 different metaphors using the archetypes of aging right. yeah no that 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 helped clarify it a lot for me thank you so much um well i think we're getting close to the amount of time that we have for today so you know i'd like to give <laughs> people join me an opportunity to kind of <laughs> plug their own content if you have any you know, books that you might be working on at, at like a website, you might want people to visit it or something like that. Um, please feel free to share it right now. Yeah, thank you very much for that. And I am working on, actually, I just offered uh, a course called Eating Well. Well is like deep well, you know, you can mm. tap into. And uh, so that's a, a comprehensive course to learn about more eating wisdom, especially how to apply in our life and also in the, in the leadership terms. So if anybody are interested, yeah, please where can I, where can I find that? Is that just online? If I search eating well, I'm not very good at <laughs> making <laughs> it visible. At I, I, so far, I just shared with uh, people subscribe my newsletter. So I Got haven't, uh, I haven't put online yet, but I do have a website called the www.eachingcompass.com. Oh. And there, maybe I should put on there. I just, finished the brochure so i should put on there yeah and there is another seminar because that's a heavy duty course and there is another seminar i was uh, intend to offer it's seven session seminar which i intend to do it with just a very small group of maximum nine people to explore the patterns and philosophies and the principles that embedded in aging how can we apply it into you know, our life and what's the functionality of it and what's the connection between East and West. Yeah, that's fascinating. And just for people listening, it's it's eating as an I-C-H-I-N-G, 
compass.com because yes. <laughs> I did the J-I-N-G, which is no, no, there's different true. ways to spell it. And I've seen it spelled with a Q too. I don't know what's why there's so many different uh translations of it. That seems like an odd yeah. one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But please check it out and and thank you so much for joining me today. I I, I had a lot of fun. So we're trying to plug more. We we want more engagement on the podcast. So we'd love it if you guys have any uh suggestions for you know people you might want us to talk to or you know, if you have any responses to it, please feel free to reach out at office at magnoliatree.org. We'd love to hear from you guys. That's office at magnoliatree.org. And I think that's it for our, our, our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me, T. It was a, a pleasure speaking to you. It's fun yeah. to finally get to actually use um, the fact that I am a Chinese major. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, it's funny because, you know, I've been working with Sabina and Magnolia Tree for over a year now, almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it hasn't come up yet that often, but <laughs> it's fun we to, should speak to pull more it out often. every now. I really should. <laughs> I should try and get more like Eastern philosophy and more, more, you know, Chinese leadership uh, models and stuff on that. I know that's like mm-hmm. a new sphere that's kind of developing now. I know that yeah. it's a newer kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I have been talking to some of my professors who are more on like the business development side and that kind of thing and, and a lot of them talk about there's kind of this movement now like a, a reclamation mm-hmm. of, of chinese leadership models whereas you know right in right. The, the 90s the, the early 2000s even the 2010s um yeah. there was a strong focus on like oh the, the the western business ideal is kind of the um the mm. core uh, and, and it's the ideal and, and now that's mm. shifting and do you feel that that's that was was that part of what drove the the pursuit of like eating as part of your curriculum i see the world become more and more borderless right then then you see that often we have to discern what is a projection what is the real treasure there because when i have a lot of friends when when we talk about chinese leadership sometimes they always get into political <laughs> you know yeah. like all the, the chinese <laughs> political system and etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you 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 have to what i think is that we all all need to remain open minded and humble is to understand the context you yeah. know that 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 n- none of the system is the carving stone say this is the truth. It always works for certain situation, not working for the other. Apart from that, if you truly understand and remain open-minded to the whole Chinese history, the philosophy behind, perhaps you will be understanding more what is what what is lying beneath so-called Chinese leadership uh, that can really make beautiful exchange and combination with a Western sort of leadership ideology mm-hmm. to give birth maybe to something even newer and yeah. more innovative and more binding, more connecting and bridging right. for the world we are living in. Yeah. And once again, thank you so much for joining me, Chi. It's been lovely talking thank you, to you. Augustine. Um, You've been listening to the Inspiring Brave Leaders podcast by Magnolia Tree. This is Daliana Eliesch, the editor of the podcast. Feel free to reach us or visit our website for more bursts of inspiration around leadership. You can find a link for our website and our social media platforms in our bio. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.